Good morning. Uh, it's, it's great to be back over this side of the world. It's always so nice driving over the hills, coming in, seeing everything spread out, the bay and the mountains along the side. It's just nice. It beats the suburbs. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, actually, it's, it's one of those incredible things. This morning, so much has already happened that's already preached my preach for me, you know. So um, that opening with each one standing who's been involved um, in the setup of the service. And I, it is, it's a remarkable thing. I mean, I rocked up. We, we stopped for coffee on the way, and it took way too long. And then we rock up about 10 minutes before the meeting starts and just walk in, and then I, I get to stand here and talk. But there's so many other people who have worked so much harder and been here so much longer. And, and that's actually something of what I want to talk about this morning, is that thing of how God has made us a body together. And that body of many parts... Um, each part doing its bit, um, and, and that's really important. There's a verse in um, 1 Corinthians 10 where Paul begins to talk about communion. I mean, we don't have it set up this morning, um, but you know communion, like where you have the cup and you have the bread. And he talks about the cup, and then he talks about the bread. Um, he says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. And it's, it's really important for us to understand when we come together, and whether it's coming together as we have now in worship, coming together to meet together Wednesday in homes, when we're coming together in that fashion, that the thing that makes us one is the one bread. It's, it's the one body. It's, it's Jesus. Um, and at the risk of getting ahead of myself, it's not that we all drive the same car or live in the same area or go to the same shops, you know, like... There's a oneness that comes from the one bread that is deeper and far more important and effective than a oneness that comes from the things that we know and love. Um, this was the prayer of Jesus. Jesus prayed, and it's sometimes called the high priestly prayer, John 17. Um, he says, I do not ask these things. He's talking to his father, but he's on earth as a man. He's praying for the ones who have been left. But he says... Um, I do not ask for these only, talking about his disciples who were with him at that time, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's talking about us, because the word has been passed down. And each one of us sat here is a result, and someone else mentioned this, of the faithfulness of another. That each one who has been faithful, and that faithfulness has passed on. Um, that was how we began our worship time this morning. The faithfulness that passes on the gospel, that the gospel that's been passed down, we are a result, a direct result, of the faithfulness of the apostles and the faithfulness of those who heard their word and the faithfulness of those who heard their word and the faithfulness of those who heard their word. Is anyone here saved because outside of any knowledge of Scripture, outside of any knowledge of Jesus, outside any knowledge of the Bible or church or anything like that, they just met Jesus in a dark room and got saved. Is there anyone here? That's your story. Right. So we're all the result 
of the faithfulness of someone. And Jesus is praying for those someones. And we, when we receive the gospel, become one of those someones who's going to be faithful. He says, may they be one, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me, the glory that you've given me, that I have given to them. But they may be one, even as we are one in them and you in me, but they may become perfectly one. He just raised the bar. He said he wants us one, and then he goes, perfectly one. And we all go, really? (laughs) Really? I mean, it's all right with him and him and him and him, but oh, him? One with him? That uncle, I don't know. I don't know if I can, I can do one with them. I mean, they're nice people. That uncle, that's going to be a challenge, Lord. That's going to be difficult. But Jesus desires this kind of unity in the church. He wants us to have this unity. And in the end of this passage, he says, but this is the unity that will demonstrate God's love for us. He says, may they become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me And loved them even as you love me. Did you know that our unity, our togetherness, our sense of oneness is actually a declaration that God loves us? It's an amazing thing. It's not just that we're nice. It's not enough to tell the world we're nice. Okay, because there's lots of ways to be nice. You could be nice to a select group or many and, and people will have different moral stances on how many people you need to be nice to, to be a good person. But the point here is not about being nice, it's about being one. And in being made one, we show the world that God loves us. That's an amazing thing. It's like that Psalm 133 where it talks about how good and pleasant it is when brothers well dwell together in unity that's where the blessing is that's where God's blessing resides and so it's the same with us how does this oneness look well we already heard this morning uh, from Ephesians 4 16 but in Romans 12 it says a similar thing it says for by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned for As in one body, we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. Individually members of one of another. So there's this amazing picture of the body, and most of us here presumably have a body. Uh, Is there anyone who hasn't yet had that experience. Um, Having a body can be a joyous thing. There's many wonderful things we can do with our bodies. And then, of course, there's also other things we can do. Like the other day, I walked into my office and somehow managed to stub my toe. There's a rocking chair in the room, which I'm considering removing. Uh, (laughs) Somehow, out of all my toes, and I've got pretty regular toes. You don't need to check them. Uh, they're, They're pretty regular. Out of all my toes, not big number toe, like not little toe, the one right in the middle that would you feel be the most protected? 
Was the one toe that got completely buckled in half and instantly went blue. Um, I trust it's evidence of the grace of God in my life that the language that came out at that moment was blessed. Uh, it was sanctified. I could testify to the work of God in my life that um, I didn't say anything I shouldn't, but I did think a few things. Um, and so the Lord is still sanctifying me and working in my heart. But um, now at that moment, as I'm going, oh, what happens? Does the rest of my body go, toe, seriously, you again? What is your problem? I mean, like, I've never stubbed my spleen. <laughs> and the spleen could sit there going, really, yeah, I mean, like, it always seems to be like toes and stuff. I mean, we would be better off without toes. I never get stubbed. I'm fine. You know, but the spleen's got their own issues. There's other things going on with spleens that don't happen to toes. And spleens have to have a little bit of compassion when it comes to being a toe because you're out there, you're vulnerable. I mean, like, it's just, it's a tougher life for a toe when it comes to walking past rocking chairs. It's just, that's, that's how it is. And so the spleen's just got to come to a place of just, okay, if I'm going to exist in a body with toes on it, I'm going to have to understand something about what it means to be a toe. Now, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I will join the dots in case you don't. But in that moment, now what has to happen? Well, the thought center of my mind is located here. Yeah? So, so this is the bit that's actually thinking, ow. My, my toe technically can't say ow. It can't even think ow. But it does send an emergency message to my brain, and my brain goes, ow. So my brain is now invested. And at that point, my brain, what's it going to do? Is it going to try and fix this thing? Am I going like, to somehow get to the fridge and then open the freezer with my head and grab a freezer pack? And <coughs> no. My, my brain is going to enlist my arms and my legs and my hands. And, and now my hands are going to be reaching the freezer, finding one of those little soft packs that's going to go on the toe and hopefully reduce the swelling. And, 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 then, and then my hands are going to be feeling like, does it feel like it's broken? It doesn't feel, it's sore, but it doesn't feel like it's broken. Okay, am I going to strap it? Am I going to leave it? My brain's doing the thinking. My hands are doing the working. My body, my whole body is working around this toe because actually my body needs the toe. And so although the toe is a bit of an inconvenience right now, I will miss it if it's gone. And so I'm going to invest the time to get this toe back on track and running in the right direction, literally pointing in the right direction, because that's what my toe needs. And that's actually what I need. And my brain needs it. And my hands need it. And my whole body needs it. And, and the toe can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. And the eye can't say to the toe, I have no need of you. And this is literally what the scripture says. That we can't say one part to another, don't need you. And that spleen just sat there in the middle going, I'm not even part of this exercise. I don't know. He's fuss about this toe. Don't be a spleen. Okay. <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> okay. So... How do we know if we're a spleen? <laughs> How do we know if we're a toe? How do we know if we're a head, shoulders, knees, or toes? Um, 
we, we, there's different gifts. And the Bible talks about this. In Romans, it talks about gifts. There's different gifts that differ according to the grace that's been given to us. And, and so we must use them. If prophecy in proportion to your gift, uh, if service in our serving. We heard about serving this morning, a wonderful gift in the life of the church. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now we've heard about almost all these things this morning. We heard about acts of mercy, we heard about Kyla Temba and the collections going on there. If you're going to do it, cheerfully. That's what the Bible says. In service, we heard about serving. Well, that's if, if that's your gift, serve, man. Uh, the, the thing to realize is that not everything important that happens in the church happens on a microphone. In fact, a very small percentage of what's important in church happens around a microphone. Like, these are the visible things. But like I said, my spleen is sat somewhere doing something. I don't even know what it's for. But it's doing something. You know? My son, when he was very small, he was about, I don't know, about five years old. And then one evening he had these pains. And, um, and you know how it is. It's more expensive to go in after hours. So as a good, loving father, I made him wait. Um, <laughs> but to show that it was just economic concerns and not a lack of compassion, I stayed with him the whole night. And what I discovered was when my hand was on his stomach... He wasn't in pain, and when I took it off, he was in pain, and I Googled that, and that's not good. If you ever need to know, <laughs> it's not good. That means it's the appendix. So when you're applying pressure, the pain is relieved, and when you're taking the hand away, there's now more pain, and I'm going, oh, appendix, what's that? What's the deal there? What's going to happen here? And in the morning, we take him into the one doctor. The doctor says, no, I can't actually say this is or isn't, but I think you should take him to the hospital because... There's enough of a risk. But, you know, maybe, maybe go through to the hospital. And so we're kind of chilled. We're going, okay, cool. Okay, well, maybe we'll go through to the hospital. <laughs> then when Vanessa eventually gets to the hospital uh, with, with him, they're like, where have you been? We realize the hospital's panicked. <laughs> they know already we're coming, and they're way more panicked than we are. And you know what that causes in us? <laughs> Panic. Um, and so there we are. We're rushing him in. At this point, we're, we're noticing he is looking grey. I mean, he's not looking well. And, um, and they take him in, and his, his infection rate is through the roof. It's like way more than it should be. He's basically dying. And they go, no, we, we, we can't even find an appendix. We don't even know if he's got one. Um, like, it's, like where, where, it's not where it should be. And we're going, well, keep looking. Because if that's the problem, we need to find it. So they said, we're going to do surgery. We're like, ooh, okay. And it's going to be this much, and it's going to do this much. And, and, you know, and there's these two ways we can go in. We can go in the old way, just do a cut and keep cutting until we find what we're looking for. Or we go in laparoscopically, and we, we stick the holes in the two sides and go in, and we stick a camera in through his navel or something. I'm like, okay, uh, which would you do? I'm saying to the doctor, because I'm going, it's bucks, you know. He says, if this is my kid, I'd be going laparoscopic. I said, okay, do the laparoscopic. So... So we're going, we're praying, we're like, Lord Jesus. Well, eventually they find it. It had exploded. He was dying, and they saved his life. I mean, that was a bonus. <laughs> and um, 
it was one of those things you kind of go, gee, like something, I couldn't even see that thing. And when they looked for it and scanned for it, they couldn't even find it. It was actually tucked up just like his granddad's. His granddad had had the same thing happen, but as an older man, not five, and his had been hidden in the same spot, genetic differences. But um, this thing, we couldn't even see it. We didn't even know what it was there doing. It was busy, but when it went wrong, did we find out about it? And literally, we sat down with the doctor a few weeks later after the sort of the, the sign-off to say that everything was fine. He said, you know, I'm the only doctor in the Western Cape who can do that operation on a child that young. He said, if you'd walked into the hospital any other time or any other hospital or been five minutes later or ten minutes earlier, you might not have got me and we might be talking about a really different outcome. <laughs> it's like, you're okay. Sobering, sobering moments. You kind of go, thank you, Jesus, that your hand was there. And we can say, thank you, Jesus, his hand is here. Now, God places some, it talks here, it says about leading. Sometimes there's one who leads, a skilled surgeon, someone with masterful hands who's going to shape and heal. And, and we have elders in the house. We have guys like Richard who years of experience and knowledge and wisdom, and, and, and the Lord will use them in this context and maybe that might happen through a microphone. Maybe it might happen one-on-one in a, in a coffee or in your homes. But there's other gifts. There's gifts like exhortation. Did anyone here ever get an encouraging SMS? Just a message. Someone sent a message or a WhatsApp, and it just, you just felt like better afterwards. I mean, like, that's... Now, that's awesome, isn't it? And it doesn't have to come from the pasteur for that to be effective. That could come from anyone. And that's a gift. It's a gift of the Spirit that God wants us to activate and use. And, and this is something that's going to actually move us all forward. It's important that when we use these gifts, we use them with kindness, with humility, meekness, um, patience. Um, that's Colossians 3. It says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. We need to put on compassionate hearts. Why is that? Well, because people aren't like us. If they were all as smart as us, they wouldn't do the things they do. Isn't that right? I mean, you've thought that, haven't you? Man, if those guys could just think like I think, the world would be a better place. (laughs) If you've never thought that, then probably someone's thinking that about you. Um, (laughs) But we need to put on compassionate hearts. We need to put on kindness. We need to put on humility, meekness. And patience. We need to bear with one another. Bearing with one another. Bearing is a weight word. It has to do with mass. Bearing is work. It's not enjoying one another. It's not having fun with one another. Those things happen. But bearing is a weight-bearing word. It's a, it's a load-bearing word. We were looking at one of these videos the other night, last night, uh, of abandoned buildings. And they're quite fun to watch on YouTube. You guys go around abandoned buildings, you get to see these crazy homes that have just been left for years. And the guy, but the guys who do the videos don't know anything, they just talk nonsense. And he's going under this staircase, and there's these skinny little planks of wood under this staircase. He goes, oh, you can see this staircase is about to fall down. These, these woods are all buckled. But it's just the... It's just the beads you put in when you're doing drywalling. 
It's not actually holding the staircase up. You know, those skinny little twigs, they're not going to hold anything up. And sometimes our hearts, if our hearts are skinny little twigs, they're not going to hold anything up. We're not going to bear with one another. If our hearts are fragile, if we're not robust, if we don't develop that and put on that compassion and kindness, our skinny little hearts are going to give under the lightest pressure. And if our skinny little hearts give, well, what's the weight that comes down? Our brother, our sister, the one that we're meant to be bearing with, we don't bear with. And then there's a breakdown. And so we need to put on these things. These are the things that bind us together in perfect harmony. When, when Christ rules in our heart, being one gets a lot easier. Um, that's, that's the thing. And, um, and so we just, we progress. So there's this passage in um, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 uh, 12 to 13 it says for just as the one uh, just as the body is one and as many members that same theme again it comes up in several of the books in the new testament and all the members of the body though many as one body so it is with christ for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body and we're going to see that now after the service being baptized into one body jews or greeks slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit when we all drink of one spirit that one spirit of jesus which is the spirit that is the unity that binds us together the one body the one bread of christ then there's neither jew nor greek there's neither slave nor free we might say there's no english or afrikaans there's no zulu or corsa or sporty or academic or introvert or extrovert or accountants or circus trapeze artists there's like whatever your idea of an opposite that thing's not there because it's not what matters what matters is to be one in christ we're one in Christ. It's not our national identities. It's not our cultural identities or our sporting identity. I moved here from the UK in 2003. You might be able to hear from my speech impediment. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, the first year we arrived, it was, it was 2003. That was a World Cup year for rugby fans. And you'll remember that Johnny Wilkinson was doing a great job for the boys in white. And... Um, First game I watched, I'd been here 19 days, and I went to, and uh, Richard will know the gentleman I'm referring to, Craig, he's a good friend of mine now, uh, big guy, and uh, you know, he's the sort of guy who shows he serves Jesus by carrying 20 chairs at a time in church. Um, he, he, I didn't know him at the time, and I go to watch this rugby game, and he's there, and he's clearly a Springbok supporter, and I don't care about rugby really if I'm honest he cares about rugby deeply <laughs> deeply cares about rugby he seemed to also care about the ref a lot <laughs> and he had things to say about almost everything that was going on I grew fearful in my heart <laughs> I thought I just moved to a country where if I wear an England rugby shirt I will die Fairly soon after that, I bought a Springbok jersey. It was a good move. Because a sporting, cultural, or national identity means nothing in the kingdom of God. 
What matters is oneness in Christ. I still wear a Springbok jersey. Why would I do anything else? I live in South Africa. Like, if at some point I'm not living in South Africa, I'll probably be wearing a different jersey. I'm not going to hang on to a Springbok jersey if I'm somewhere else. Why would I do that? It's stupid. (laughs) Sorry, did I just sound really mercenary there for a moment? (laughs) But you see, what we're fighting against here is something that runs so deep in us and is so counter the kingdom of God. Because you'll have guys who literally are falling out over sport who are meant to be one in Christ Jesus. Now, how many people move here from Durban and they still support the Sharks? Like, why would you do that? You live in the land of the Stormers. Just get with the program, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying they're good, but they're here. <laughs> What holy cow? <laughs> I didn't see it when I was backing over it. it was <laughs> um, oh no, that was a blue ball. Uh, <laughs> so the thing is, sometimes these things matter too much to us. They really do. And Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. And we think that's to do with tithing or turning up early on Sunday. But sometimes the denying yourself, for me, denying myself was not wearing a red flower on my jersey, but wearing a little springbok that turned into a protea. Um, that was the thing for me. That was the denying of myself. Like, I could hold on to a national identity that wouldn't actually serve the kingdom because it wouldn't have opened hearts towards me. But by putting on a green jersey, it opened hearts, just like it did for Mandela back in the day when he put on that jersey. And we've seen the movie about it and everything. The same thing, he did it. It was a calculated move to open hearts towards a whole break-open moment. And we can do the same when we come together as a body of Christ. We can actually open hearts towards us by the sacrifices we made and the things that we die to in our own lives. The things that we say that mark us as other. So it's not about our hobbies. It's not about our identity. It's not about what makes us who we are. If you think that your identifying feature is something you do rather than who lives in you, then there still needs to be a shaping and a molding that the Lord will do in your heart. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in him who died for me. That's, that's a remarkable place to get to. And I think all of us, in a sense, Paul also says, I haven't attained it, but I'm pressing on. So I think for all of us, there's this tension between what we see and what we know must be and, and where we're at now and where we're moving towards. But this is it, is to die to ourselves. You see, it's very easy to gather together because we're the same. It's very easy to gather together because we like each other. It's very easy to gather, like I said, because we drive the same cars and shop at the same shops and live in the same suburb. That's easy. But that doesn't make us one. That makes us the same. And sameness is not oneness. 
Supporting the same rugby team doesn't mean you're the same as that person. It means you found something mutually in common with one another. And for us, we are called to have one thing that binds us together, and that is Christ. And so it shouldn't matter if the guy is earning the same as you or living in the same suburb as you. It shouldn't matter if the guy drives the car you like or doesn't drive the car you like. You know, some people want a Land Rover. That's okay. What is it they're saying? Cars, if there's not oil under it, there's no oil in it. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what car you drive. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear, as long as you wear some. It doesn't matter how you have your hair, what music you listen to. It doesn't matter. We're one in Christ. The only thing that makes us one is Christ. If we try to be one because of something else, it will fail. It will fail. Because there'll be someone who doesn't fit that mold, and they're out. The only unity that will matter at the end of the day is the unity that is found in Christ. And we find that by denying ourselves and the things that mark us as different. We, de- we deny those things. We cut those things off. We kill those things in ourselves. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy sport. But it doesn't matter. And if we can't see it doesn't matter, we need to learn to die to it. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy the Formula One or whoever. But if that's going to cause arguments, falling outs, divisions, just die to it. It doesn't matter about our politics. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. A country that's run well is blessed, you know? On a certain level, on a human level, it's helpful. But there's a lot that God has done in the church through experiencing other things. If you allow your politics to get in the way of oneness in Christ, that's a problem. I'm not saying we shouldn't have an opinion. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we shouldn't strive for good governance. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is if if your political leanings, left, right, center, Whatever it is, if that stands in the way of you finding oneness in Christ Jesus, that's a problem. Because the one thing we're called to is Christ. That's given. The rest is secondary. And so for us, what does this look like really practically? Well, it it looks like Christ who didn't consider equality with God something to be desired but actually humbled himself and having been found in the form of a servant went through obedience even to the point of death on a cross God has now exalted him but what he found was a place of obedience that wasn't actually his birthright his birthright was glory his birthright was the you know not that Jesus was born but you know what I mean like he was eternally present as the other one in the trinity the 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 second of the trinity he was eternally there as someone of immense worth of immense power of immense glory and yet he died to it he gave it up for what for this actually for us whatever you have that you need to give up it's far less than jesus already gave up for you Whatever sacrifice 
he calls of you to make is far less than Christ has already made for us. And he says, when he prays, may they be one in the same way that you and I, Father, are one. For God the Father and Jesus his Son to remain one, Jesus had to be obedient to the point of death. Or they'd have had a falling out. And so in the garden, Jesus says, not my will be done, but yours. And that needs to be our heart. That as we come together, our heart is not that my will be done, but his will be done. Not my identity be established, his identity be established. And as we submit to that, and as we enjoy that, and as we embrace that, he does amazing, amazing things. Coming back to where we started, 1 Corinthians 10, it says, The cup that we bless, that we, of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. That bread cost Jesus everything. He said, this is my body broken for you. And when we participate in that body, that's what we're called to as well. And so for each of us, it might mean something different. Maybe you're here this morning and you actually have never surrendered any part of your life to Jesus. Maybe you come to church. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life. Maybe you've... This is the first time you've ever set foot in a church. But you do know that your life belongs to you. That's the way you live. And that's the way you've always been. God is asking you this morning, would you change that? Would you choose in this moment not to say your life belongs to you, but to say your life belongs to him? He's calling you to something far greater than you can ever be on your own. There's something of a togetherness and a oneness here that is going to change the world. And it's going to change your life if you would submit to him and allow yourself to be part of what he is doing. It could be that you're here and you do love Jesus, but you're still living for yourself. And some of the things I've said about sports teams or you know comforts of life and these sort of stuff, maybe that has pricked your conscience a bit and you've kind of gone, yeah, I do let the things of this world play a big part in my life. Would you put Christ and his body first in your life? Would you? That's what God's asking this morning. And then maybe you're here and you say, no, but I do do this. You're sitting there going, amen, amen, and you you're kind of feeling, yeah, 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 I'm not challenged, I'm not convicted by this message, I'm encouraged, and I know there's still a long road to go, then let us pray this morning for his grace, because there is no way we can do this without his grace. This is an impossible task, entirely impossible. But by his grace, we can live these things out, we most certainly can. And so uh, we can rely on his grace. We sang a song in worship, my heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus. And I had this thought as we're singing it, what a remarkable thing. Like, 
people from many different backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, economic backgrounds, come together, and yet in one name, in one word, we find a common song. We actually, in worship, we actually see an expression of the thing I'm talking about, that when we all say the name Jesus, and we all worship Jesus in the same voice, in the same moment, for a brief glimpse, we see the unity he's talking about. You know, when everything else fades away and you're just focused on Jesus, but he's calling us to live like that every day and find unity in that place every day. So I'd love us just to close our eyes and um, I want to create an opportunity where we can respond to the Lord now. As I said, that you might find yourself in, in maybe any of these three categories. Maybe you find yourself somewhere else, but maybe you're here this morning and you haven't given your life to Jesus. Then I do want to create an opportunity right now for you to do that and I'll, I'll be asking you to raise your hand and, and when that moment comes I encourage you be bold and raise your hand and respond to Jesus um, as I said you may be here you love Jesus but you're living for yourself and I'm going to create an opportunity now where we can respond to the Lord repent of that there's no shame there's no condemnation but we can ask for his grace to move into a, a much stronger place of living for him and living for his body and then last if you're here and you do love Jesus and you've been living like this but you know your need of his grace then we're going to ask for that this morning so right now while everyone has their eyes closed um, if you're here and you say I'm living for myself I haven't given my life to Jesus. Then I would love to lead you in a prayer that you can begin to change that. 